Gentlemen, the road 200 to 200 has ended with Live. a flub. Uh, this is your Paper Cake Podcast, episode 200. Your host, ladies and gentlemen, Slimbo Slice. Welcome to this show. Episode 200, papercake.com. Three friends talk about the comics they're reading. And we do a book club. One of the biggest book clubs in the history of the show. Gen Z loves beer, coerced our audience into voting for this book club. Mignola. Golden. Baltimore. Dark Horse. And then we'll read your letters live to close out the show. Letters at papercake.com. Uh, episode 200. What a fresh start, you know, to have. This is the end of the first chapter of Paper Keg, episode 201. The all new Paper Keg. All new, all different. Coming soon. With uh, new mutants, if you get my meaning. Right, we're not on the show anymore. I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening. But our first host, Silver Fox, he's a father of two. He runs our social accounts, Facebook. He's got it down. He's in charge. Spoiler: Our Facebook hasn't had an update since December 2014. Dale underscore A, VP merch, welcome back. Back in December and I'm feeling fine. Oh, hello, Vicka. It's good to uh, be here. Paper Keg 200, cracking open the first can of the night for uh, what's going to be an, an enjoyable evening, mm-hmm. to say the very, very, very least. Yeah. Wow. When was the last time that Dale underscore A indulged on this show? Was that when we used to record locally? Is that when, is that when the last time was? Yeah, maybe, I think maybe I did, uh, we, we did some whiskey, the three of us, at a certain point wow. remotely. Oh, for, for Paper Cake Nights or something, right? Maybe. I don't remember. Did we do a toast at uh, the last Paper Cake meetup? I don't remember. No, you were you were later than us, no. and uh, the party was well underway by the time you... Oh, well, thanks, thanks for that, guys. Final host, writer, unpublished, besides the point, obviously. <laughs> Uh, father, expecting father. He's going to lose all the time for this show. So we're, we're looking for fill-ins. Maybe we have one waiting in the wings. At Nimidity, probably. He's, uh, what else is Jonesy? He accidentally runs our Twitter account sometimes. <laughs> Doesn't unfave faves that he makes on that Twitter account. 
I saw him reply to a tweet that I didn't write on the main account, so I thought Jonesy was replying to himself. It was very strange. <laughs> Jonesy loves beer. Papa JLB mm. at the the uh, late shift in the college radio circuit. Welcome back. <laughs> I was born in the wrong decade. I'll tell you what. So I have something here for you. Some words. Uh oh. If you'll if you'll allow me. And I'm going to. Uh, Actually, this is a perfect uh, underlying music. So uh, I'm going to look off screen so I don't tear up as I say it. So I just clicked into my Microsoft Word here. Uh, an open letter to the paper keggers. Uh, I have been a part of this thing we're doing here for a long time. I was married as a paper kegger. I had my son as a paper kegger. And hopefully, Wink, uh, will greet my second child as a paper kegger. Uh, Good luck, Amanda. Uh, All the while, uh, I was really building two families. One at home and uh, one with all of you. And I can uh, gladly say that even though those lines eventually blurred and became one, as some of you I've been able to meet and introduce to my loved ones at home over the years, uh, I am still forever grateful for your friendship. Uh, here at Paper Keg, we never say fan because it, it doesn't describe what our listeners mean to us. Uh, you have all been here with us the whole time, friends of the show and true friends of ours. Uh, to Matt, you know, we've watched each other grow up over these last 16 years, and I couldn't be more impressed by the woman you've chose to spend your life with, the wonderful way you raise your son. And the incredible dreams of yours you fulfilled in your career and beyond. And uh, to Dale, on this uh, 200th anniversary of our love, uh, I write, uh, you've become one of my closest friends over the past few years, and you've uh, done more for me than I can possibly thank you for. Uh, You've got one of the biggest hearts of anyone I know, and I'm glad that I have a place in it. Thank you very much. And... uh, Please feel free to resume the trolling at this point. I mean, good lord, Jonesy, you're you're a beautiful man. It was as no, if Jonesy stop. gave the uh, like best man speech at the paper keg <laughs> wedding, <laughs> the try wedding, the try wedding. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure most will come to remember it as my exit speech, but you know, <laughs> hopefully, it's just you know, hashtag, hashtag road, exit. road to paper keg wedding. I think we, we just finally <laughs> made it to the reception hall, and we all did like a little dance. Yeah, you know, when the DJ spotlighted us, I've had nine or ten champagnes at this point. <laughs> Jonesy's at the bar saying he has to drive the truck home, so he can't do any more shots. And then someone <laughs> asks him once to do one more, so then now he's wasted. <laughs> right. Two seconds later, didn't take much. <laughs> uh, while we're on the subject, though, you know, somebody else wants to say a few words. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, this beautiful uh, talk amongst friends, we'll just let him say it. Hooray! <laughs> 200! I love Daddy! Well, Mr. Jack Jones uh, <laughs> congratulating us on 200 episodes of Paper Keg. Thank you. Oh. Thank you, Jack. I thought that was going to be... I, what did, that was I good. I thought that was going to be uh, Gen Z's child from the future. Time traveling to welcome him to episode 200. I do have uh, Jack Jones from episode 100 if you'd like to hear him. Let's hear that. Two years. I I think it's just a squeak. 
<laughs> Jack Jones is a three-month-old, I believe, at the time. Kid had more uh, stage presence than me. He commands a podcast. I can tell from that piece. And uh, building on that uh, momentum, I got a few more kids. Get, get the kids out of the way. Okay, I have all the kids. Spoilers. <laughs> Congratulations on 200 episodes. On two hundred episodes. I love you, Dad. So, Mr. Reed Andrews, I have his audio too, but it's just him screaming because it sounds like he was speaking in tongue (laughs) during that. Well, he's only two years old. <laughs> what a show. What a show already. 200 episodes. I love you, Daddy. Oh, look at that. Oh. Congratulations. <laughs> oh. My firstborn. Wow. What a moment. One more. Uh oh. One more. Uh oh. 200 episodes. Holy movie. <laughs> <laughs> reading, he must have been reading from a script. James over there. Hey, he knows how to stick to the script, though. Honestly, he does. He does. Two hundred episodes, boys. I want to know how my wife recorded that. Was she in here mucking up with my equipment? She gonna, you're going to get the switch. She had a heck of a teacher. She find out she was. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Is she the new host? Be honest. <laughs> we have uh, twenty issues of Baltimore to get to tonight book club app you know possibly some changes for 201 going forward the all new paper keg all different secret wars something <laughs> battle, battle, battle world. world i don't know what's going on they're all the same so 20 20 issues we read over the past three days of baltimore and what a what a period of time that was can i be honest i finished this two days ago blew through it amazing you experience yeah you probably i I, i'm complete agreement with you yeah jonesy what is what is dark horses baltimore well it's really it's so hard to describe because it's such an emotional experience more than it is just a comic book uh, the story is Captain Lord Henry Baltimore. He is a English noble, a captain of men in World War One. Uh, you know they're fighting in trench warfare, and you know they're attacked, and you know Lord Henry is injured and he passes out. He comes to as this whole battalion is being eaten alive by huge bats. In shock, in pain, probably going to lose a leg, he snaps the bayonet off of his garand and slashes a vampire across the eye, unwittingly releasing the greatest plague known to man across the face of the earth. He single-handedly releases evil 
back into the world in the form of a vampiric virus that raises the dead and mutates the living and turns the evil worse. And the vampire he he slices is called Hagus, an ancient vampire who, because of his longevity, has been lulled to sleep, a sleep-like state, an animalistic state, uh, where, you know, if Baltimore had not fought back, it's likely that they never would have woken up and this evil would have never happened. Hagus uh, returns to Baltimore's home, kills his family, and turns his wife just to torture Baltimore and get back at him for what he's done. And what we have then is really 20 issues of all the amazing places Mike Mignola takes us in Baltimore's journey to get Haggis, basically take revenge for his family. Uh, We're introduced to an amazing cast of characters who uh, are heavily inspired by both myth and modern stories. And it culminates in issue 20, Chapel of Bones, and one of the best cliffhangerish endings imaginable. Does Baltimore truly get his revenge? Will the team he's assembled from people's lives he's touched upon the way be enough to confront an even greater evil? And how does a man with no heart, physically and figuratively, can ever hope to save the human race? He's something else, something they'd never seen. He's Lord Baltimore. It's like a movie trailer. <laughs> that last line. That was. In a world. In a world. Now, had I, had both of you been caught up with Baltimore? Because I stopped, I think, maybe at the Widow and the Tank. That was the last time I had bought mm. a Baltimore issue. So I was not caught up at all. So the, reading the last issue 20 of our little grouping was a total shock. Oh, yeah. Um, I had stopped at maybe the Infernal Train. I think I read the first issue of the Infernal Train and then I stopped. Oh, I read the first issue of the Infernal Train and then I read the first issue of Chapter of Bones. I've been buying them, but I just didn't keep up with them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, seeing reading those last five, six issues to completion was just a... Oh, boy. Something else. I think Ben... Is it Ben Stenbeck? who's the artist for the entirety of the 20 issues, man, he stepped up his game during Chapel of Bones. It was like he hit another level of Baltimore artwork. And what's amazingly lovely is he's the same artist through those first 20 issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same creative team. Even the free comic book day book, which was a little one shot, he drew that as well. And it has, you know, it, it keeps up the same tone and vibe because Ben stays on for that whole thing. And I love Baltimore so much. I remember we talked about it ages ago, but it was like one of my favorite books out because it keeps that kind of 
there's I think three or four issues that are just one parters. And so the, it keeps up the Dark Horse numbering where The Plague Ships is the first five issues of Baltimore. And it's a miniseries. It's one through five. And then the next, I think, issue in the timeline is the Free Comic Book Day. But then The Curse Bells is technically issues six through ten. Oh, yeah. But it's, you know, it's like a, a miniseries. It's The Curse Bells, you know, one through four or whatever. And inside it says issue six in a series. And then there's just a series of continue like the series continues but like dr lescovar's remedy is a, is a two-parter and then the next issue that is released after that is a one-parter and it's just the format of the book is just so enjoyable like you can mm-hmm. you know baltimore is on the hunt for um haggis mm-hmm. and he just gets mixed up into these townspeople like i feel like it's baltimore haggis and then the people are the three components of this book and the people he encounters that are against the plague or their town is just overrun by evil and they're hiding out. And then he just stumbles upon them and makes a decision. Do I continue or do I help? Yeah. Do I want to get in their way or they're just going to get in my way. And I think the first real shift of it, of the, of that um, mode was the play issue 13, which is, a real departure in this series because the first uh, 12 issues of that are, you know, he gets mixed up in the townspeople and on the hunt for Haggis. The play 13 is Haggis funding this play and he's in love with the lead actress and the writer of the play has Edgar Allan Poe's head in a (laughs) jar. It was like the weirdest issue. It was so bizarre how that just came out of nowhere. That reminded me the most. That was definitely like a BPRD yeah, issue. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was definitely Mignola written right over it. Like, how can I give the strangest possible components to an issue and still make it Baltimore? And the play is definitely the kookiest of the run. Which is, you, you bring up Mignola, and he gets top billing, but it's really Christopher Golden. Like, Christopher, Mignola's Mignola-verse is is built on the foundation that Mignola built for sure. I mean, the, the stuff that comes out of his mind, but the, uh, the trust he's given to, he gives to somebody else to take the books places is, and this is, in this case, it's Christopher Golden who Mignola entrusts. And I just recently read an interview with Christopher Golden on like CBR or something. And he's basically like, Mignola may give the plots for the for the or the outline for maybe where he wants the story to go, but Christopher Golden just totally takes it and runs with it. And mm-hmm. Mignola just has complete trust in where Christopher Golden's taking cake, taking it. But that's amazing. But the play, like you said, is the first time. I mean, Baltimore is just like a hard case he's like a hard edge he's not a superhero he doesn't help he doesn't he, he, there's no jokey mignola hellboy element in it no and i think that's why i was especially drawn to it because there wasn't any kind of superhero equips yeah he's so depressing yeah and you and you especially see that in the play he talked about it and baltimore always tells the people he's with even before the play he's like i'm just look i'm i'm on the hunt for Hagus. i'm a hunter and you know i'm sorry about your problems 
but and he probably I don't even think he apologized for it. He's just like this is your problem. I'm moving on because I'm hot on the trail. But the play clearly shows that he is just once he find out that Hagus is out of town, he just leaves. He doesn't even clean up any messes like in the curse bells where he, you know, he sends the uh, the damned nuns to to their eternal rest. He d- he doesn't. He just leaves the plague-ridden vampires to to continue their play if they wish. He just leaves because he's on the trail of Hagus. Like he doesn't care because he is a man on one mission. How about the the end of the curse bells as well, where there's a plot to for this kooky doctor to use a witch to use the bells of the town to enslave the entire town, and eventually it does happen but like poorly. And when Baltimore leaves that town, the townspeople are so effed. Like they're still yeah. under this spell and they're just <laughs> zombies and they're bleeding out their eyes and they're just wandering the streets. And Baltimore's like, eh, yeah, I got to keep, keep on going. <laughs> yes. <I guess. laughs> you guys will find a way. You know, one of the best elements, and it reminds me so, so much of like a, a true horror story is not only is there the the background menace of the Red King, uh, that the menace is inferred more than it is told to you, uh, that there's somebody really out there pulling the strings on Haggis and really the entire plague, but Baltimore himself is, like, feared by these supernatural beings. Like, uh, I think in the Curse Bells, the reborn witch basically says... Um, everything you're doing doing now, like you shouldn't be able to do. Yeah, they, like they, there there is no rule set. Like you are just like, like nothing in our ancient <laughs> text, nothing that we've done for millennia uh, seems to be working with you, and that scares the s out of everybody. Yeah, it felt like that and, was that was well built over time too. They slowly yeah, let, started to allude that there's something going on with Baltimore, and that okay, this guy's no joke anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I think that really hit hard at the Infernal Train. Where they're uh, like yeah. started to realize like okay we're effed. Oh yeah, of. the like the whole train car is full of elder vampires and, but but it's so cool to see, the, the plot of Baltimore. I I almost say the life or the this the lifespan of Baltimore, but to see him from where he starts to where he ends, but that is only runs parallel to, how big the story of his adversaries get. Because he's so singularly focused on Hagus, and starting about midway through the the run, like even the vampires are like, there's so much more to this than just us. Like they start dropping the Red King and stuff like that, and they're like, this is this evil runs deep, my friend. And I don't, you know, so but but Baltimore stays the course up until issue twenty. He's like, my problems with Hagus, but all the time he. He's thinking like if I if I hadn't cut Hagus in the face, you know, other than the fact that my family would be alive right now, this whole plague wouldn't have gotten started to begin with. So he there's a part of him that feels responsible, but he can't even think about that big picture right now because he's so focused on the immediate revenge of his wife and family. And probably to your point, Dale, the most chilling thing is in the last issue of Chapel of Bones, Haggis says something to the effect of, 
I, you know, this is the only true joy I'll have in life is us eliminating each other because I don't want to live in the world that the yes, Red King yes. is going to make. So even his like number one servant is like, you know, we're all going to be F. Right. So I might as well get my licks in now. And you're like, holy crap. Like Baltimore couldn't have like this had to be put into motion well before Baltimore got involved. I felt like the buildup of the Red King was actually really well done, too. And the 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 few scenes where they showed some some Red King ish looking person like holding you know a bow, a staff and wearing a crown of just red, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. Every time they showed something that was supposed to mean the Red King, it was like frightening looking. Like if this guy this character shows up, like it's gonna be bad news bears. Mm-hmm. And it, I thought that was yeah. pretty well done. And the ending of the 20th, uh, 20th issue, like, does scare you because, you know, they ha- obviously Baltimore and Haggis have their final confrontation at the end of issue 20. And in the, um, I guess, upstairs of this bar, this tavern, is this artist studio. And this crazy artist has painted a true likeness of the Red King. And the battle with Haggis takes place place in front of this painting and only after do you realize that because of that battle and because of the magical nature of that painting the red king finally takes notice of baltimore like the this whole time the war was waged and the red king had no idea what was going on and had no idea what true threat that baltimore was but because of this window you know between them both like they even say, like Baltimore, you're you're in deep ass because now he knows who you are and yeah, knows yeah. that like he's scared of you, and you're like, holy crap, this is a whole new level to the story that was once just this revenge tale, now becomes like a fight for the whole world, and not a lot of stories, like a lot of stories have the that as the stakes, like the whole world is in the balance if you don't do X. And you really don't feel the stakes because it's played out. It's a played out trope. But Baltimore delivers it so chillingly and so in the in the vein of like a real horror movie that you feel that the stakes are real and you are scared of what the Red King can or will do. And it's so cool that there's not many comics that can take 20 issues to not even tell the story of the Red King. The Red King starts, you know, the groundwork for the Red King starts getting laid maybe issue 10 or 12 around there, but this is 20 issues of Baltimore pursuing Hagus. And because of the nature of how they're uh, broken up in um, numerology, that Hagus is only bit parts in a few issues and then the last two issues 19 and 20 fully feature Hagus and it's an implied that whole time that Hagus just had the time of his life uh leading Baltimore along in this this long journey I mean he's he had the time to set up and finance a play for his amusement and he's just makes it sound like he had the time of his life but now he he kind of regrets because he's at the end of his rope and he's old and he's haggard. Even for a vampire, I'd like to know the story of how he you know, all of it come all of a sudden became like you know the Mister Roper of vampires. He's an old, he's just old and worn out. Maybe a little ornery <laughs> still, but I'd also like to know the science or whatever we'd call it of like vampirism. I mean, he 
bites people, but they don't turn. There's characters that we meet that have been bitten and the blood has been sucked out of them, but they don't turn into vampires. And they make it sound like they only turn when the biter wants them to. Does anyone have any clarity yeah. on that? Because I, I can't really make I, sense of it. I don't, you know, I try to figure that out because during the flashback issues of Plague Ships where he's telling the gypsy girl uh, the story of how he came about, like, Hagus says, I killed them all, but I turned his wife. So how do you do one and not the other? I have no clue. Yeah. And even I thought it was strange that I think sometimes the cross can burn a vampire, I think, but almost certainly Baltimore just slicing their faces off with a sword seems to work. Like there's no stake through the hearts. There's no silver. It seems like it can just be done with enough brute force. But I want to say like at different times did like Christian iconic, uh, icons hurt them mm-hmm. or did I imagine that? Yeah. The, well, I've, I've heard, I mean, there's there, I've, I've heard the trope where vampires can only turn you if they want to. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before, but, but there are definitely like liberties taken in, in this universe of how vampirism works as a whole, because the plague could turn you into vampire or it could turn you into this shambling zombie who has no wits whatsoever. Like, it depends on how bad the plague progresses in the person. They just turn into a flesh eater, or maybe they turn there into this vampiric thing. Vampiric. There was a moment, too, in Chapel of Bones where his friend was bitten, but the vampire that bit him was killed, so the the hold was released mm-hmm. of him, apparently, which is news to me. But Chapel of Bones... And then... Oh, sorry, I was going to say, Chapel of Bones starts out with one of the best ideas for a story. And I didn't realize that like the confrontation between Haggis and Baltimore would happen at any point. Like I wasn't sure how long this lasted, but when I finished issue 20, I even like texted you guys that like, maybe we should stop here because this feels like the end Mm -hmm. of this volume of Baltimore, whatever you want to call it, the omnibus. And it starts out with three people that, I think two of which we met and one other one that were like friends of Baltimore and he's summoned them to this bar at this night to meet there. Uh, or so they think anyway. And then once they get there, they encounter this kooky painter and he leads them up into his den of evil essentially. And Haggis appears and he's gotten wind of Baltimore wanting to meet there. And then this fight ensues where the vampires come out of the walls and, and try to, eat their friends, eat Baltimore's friends. And then in one of the most amazing panels is when Baltimore like kicks down the door and shows up (laughs) and ready to save his friends. It was so awesome. Oh man, I screenshot that like 30 times, but he had, he had summoned his friends to bear witness to him fighting Haggis. And he was, he wanted them to, to be witness to the end of his journey like he knew that this was going to be the, the the last battle, and he was going to end it, and this, and he was going to be like he would die after this. Essentially, he'd like give up. Which is, it's actually really cool. I don't. I guess I maybe never finished it, but the that scene takes place in the the original novel of Baltimore. The like the origin of how Baltimore and Haggis' confrontation come to be takes place in the first half of the book and then the second half of the book is like these three people waiting in that bar 
for Baltimore to show up and they sort of all reflect and tell their own stories about how they know Baltimore and uh, how they've experienced life, you know, with him in their lives. But I don't, I never, I don't actually remember how the book ended. So, yeah, I think that was because I read the letters page and they alluded to the fact that I think the book covered like 1910 and 1919 or something. And so they were mm-hmm. able to fill in in between. And I think that's why once they told the story, even the letters page of issue 20 is like, you know, that's the end of this Baltimore. We don't know what we're doing next, but, you know, stay tuned to Hellboy and we'll see what happens. Like they didn't know what was going to happen after that issue. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they bookended the, you know, the book bookended the, they told the stories in between. And then it's, I actually, I've, I've been caught up with the other stuff since and, it's pretty cool direction they're taking. It's definitely it features the Red King, but also like an ensemble mm. of characters. He's sort of it's good. He's sort too. of like assembling his team, kind of like it reminded me a little bit of uh, like a cast of characters from like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. They're not super powered in any way, but they're like all different from different backgrounds and stuff like that. It seemed pretty cool. How about the um, character of the Inquisitor, who? appeared oh, and amazing. was kind of on the hunt of Baltimore for several issues and just appeared like the most like unknowingly evil character that you could ever meet. Like I would never want to be cornered by that guy in my life. What an indictment of Catholicism I think I'll never see as long as I live. A uh a second generation inquisitor. So because of the effects of World War One, the church uh, it was just like, you know, we should do the Inquisition a second time, but we should train these inqui- Inquisitors in like the paranormal and how to do an exorcism and whatnot. And so uh, the lead guy gets wind of Baltimore and just basically follows after him, cleaning up his messes of these towns that he makes. This guy comes in behind him, hoping to catch up with him and end him as well. And it's kind of left stuck with Baltimore's aftermath but is also at the same time creating more atrocities uh, by killing innocents because he thinks he's purifying them. It's really one of the scariest in the sense of, you know, just blind faith in the wrong place. Yeah, it really is. He's just, he's such a, and a well-trained, but totally focused and psychotic character. I mean, because, He's like he's insane because I isn't the definition of insanity is you the insane person doesn't know they're insane and they think whatever they're doing is the right thing but he is so right in his own mind that he that these people need to be purified and the one crazy example is uh this couple had helped Baltimore and also, they let the like vampires feed on them. They're not vampires themselves, but the mere fact that they did that sent this uh, this inquisitor to purify them. And through his basically his Ramsey Bolton tortures of the characters, I mean, the guy dies, but the 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 lady that he tortures to purify, Ugh. he basically. Because she survived the torture, he cut out her tongue. I mean, she's like a lump. She can't do anything, but she survived. 
so she's purified so he can return her to he can return her to her family so he like just like picks carries her back to town he goes through all the trouble to carry this dead weight from who knows where back into the town and like drop her at the the feet of her family and she is just she is just there now she can't talk she's suffered more than we'll ever know and she's like and but he's like oh she's purified now so you know she can live she can continue on good luck with her but he's basically like you're welcome yeah you're (laughs) welcome but she she clearly should have just been put out of her misery but she survived so she's purified he did his job and the per- the way he pursued Baltimore just because he has tangled with these demons, he's he has a taint about him, and he has a hard on for Baltimore, and he is not going to stop until he finds them. And and the confrontations they have, and their their one sided approaches to their end goals is just yeah the their confrontation at the the infernal train I think it was. And then the reveal of, you know, he's like, you know, it's probably, you know, we can even talk about a spoiler town, but if you don't want any spoilers, maybe fast forward, but they do battle and uh, obviously Baltimore prevails, but, and then these like other inquisitors slash monks bring his body back. And I couldn't tell what happened at that point or if he was bitten or what, but then he transforms he kind of wakes up and transforms into a werewolf, which was one of like the craziest scenes mm-hmm. ever. I was like, this is absurd, but amazing. And I can't wait to see what happens after that. Yeah, there's actually a reason for that. And it's it's awesome. It's awesome how that happened. So yeah, there's a two-parter to the wolf and the apostle. Yeah. And it's one of, I mean, Baltimore's great. How many, Isn't it, guys? we finished up to 20. What What number are they up to now? 23. 25? Mm-hmm. Was Wolf and Apostle 24, 25, Dale? Yeah, and there's the is. Witch of Harju, which is... Yeah, that's a great yeah. one, too. That's The Witch of Harju Slim is the one that's not done by Ben Stenbeck. Which is, does Ben Stenbeck come back? Yeah, it's, w- that's weird, because he does the the, fi- the 24 and 25. Hmm. wonder what the story was between the different artists. Yeah, because it would have been so cool to have the, like an unbroken... Oh, yeah. Upcoming, uh, we have the next five months, we have the Cult of the Red King. Oh, boy. Every month for the next five months. I'm just... I think ooh, I think I Baltimore, chill about Baltimore is my Hellboy. Like, people love Hellboy, and they get mm. answers about new series. I think Baltimore is that character for me. The the um, the free comic book day I wanted to call out specifically, The uh, Passing Stranger, it had a Salem's Lot vibe. I don't know. I'm not sure if you guys read it, too. But oh, it yeah. came out... I think it was like in the timeline, I think it was maybe issue six or something, but um, this town that he stumbles through, they don't go out at night and they're just kind of in hiding in their, in their homes. And this one kid is in this attic and then right before sundown, one of his buddies comes knocking on the door and asks him to come out and play. And it reminded me of Salem's lot so hard. And then eventually it just goes south for this kid and Baltimore needs to save him from this like dwelling of spider monsters it was so horrifying. And the yeah, oh yeah. And the the other single issues, the widow the widow in the tank is is one of my favorites mm. too. It's a two-part single issue and it tells two small stories and one is he's after like former 
battalion leaders from the war that have come back and the the uh the one general is is a vampire and he's just a complete d-bag vampire and he he keeps his wife alive to feed on his wife but he treats his wife like crap but she sticks up for him and he like feeds on her and then he goes out and kills random patrons at the bar and he uh and baltimore and uh, this is the unforgiving nature of baltimore baltimore is just like you know he kills the general spoilers and then he basically infers that she should just kill herself because she's done nothing but bad to contribute to to what has transpired and she she eventually does and that leads into the some of the supernatural powers and stuff like the sunlight killed her but i don't think she was a vampire yeah, the, that's Baltimore's mo. Because you remember in the first arc in um, Plague Ships when uh, Baltimore and the Gypsy Girl like marooned in that submarine graveyard, and uh, all the flesh eaters start swarming the uh, beach. He hands her a uh, like a six shot revolver, and he's like, "It's loaded. You can do whatever you want with the last <laughs> yeah. bullet." And then like jumps into the fray, and I'm like, "God, so cold, Baltimore." <laughs> he kept warning her. He's like, "Don't." I you shouldn't come with me because I have no time to worry about anybody else but me. And the and the uh, the second part of that issue was the, the tank, which is kind of like his inquisitor mentality. Is there's a vampire holed up in the tank, and presumably he's telling the truth, but he's like, not since what I was first turned was I did I kill anybody? I've been trying to feed on animals and stuff but he's basically prisoner in this tank because surrounding the tank is this living graveyard of things that pop up out of the ground and snatch whatever's there and uh he and the through baltimore and his confrontation this this innocent he kind of he's drawn a little innocent too but he tries to escape and he's offered no mercy he's baltimore basically cuts him free from these beings but he he runs the vampire through anyway so he's just so because he's so great but i mean his his Hagus killed his family but kept his wife alive until he returned home from the war and then killed his wife and turned her and made her come back to life so baltimore had to kill her himself oh man Come on. The the one thing about that widow and the tank story it was i was confused because it was the first issue where Baltimore started to grow his hair out again. So I was confused if this was like a flashback to like his first kill. Yeah, the, yeah, that's that was a flashback because I think the the years of the widow in the tank was 1916 and I think oh, by okay. Chapel of Bones it was 1919. Hmm. Yeah, the I think the Infernal Train is maybe my second favorite one because I mean the Infernal Train comes full circle to characters that were shown in the Plague Ships and never referenced again for another, like, 16 issues mm-hmm. about a train that he sees in that town and is curious about it because they're leading, like, corpses into it, into its furnace mm. to destroy them, but no smoke is coming out. He's like, oh, that's weird. And then he never sees it again for, like, another 16 issues. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing how it, they, it came back and it didn't miss a beat. The same woman was there she, who just was shown in one panel of the plague ships, but now she's a, a feature character. And the technology, this is total Mignola, but the the technology that's used like the, on this train that f- that it burns corpses alive it's basically like saving all of the smoke that it creates to to create a smoke signal beacon for the red king 
to know where to go when he awakens and it's just complete bananas because this this rolling furnace is just rolling from town to town gathering plague corpses oh my god it's, it's just so great i and i love the time period because it's right after world war 1 which is referred to as the first modern war so it's still such a medieval setting but there's submarines there's trains there's all this mm-hmm. stuff in it it's it's amazing there's airplanes oh. how about the um the bird, like the the meta like not even metaphor but like the literal sense of the bird being inside of the the vampire or the monster and then when they're burned like the bird exits them and flies away or whatever was that is that a hellboy thing or is that like from the book i didn't i don't think i've ever seen that before i don't think that's a hellboy thing but you know i haven't read the novel dale you did you read it you read the book i read it but i don't know if i ever finished it now that i'm reading the chapel of bones because i don't remember if the very end was in there i think it was but i don't i just don't remember it's been so long but i don't think that's a hellboy thing and i don't remember that happening in the book either but it's such a visualized way of of doing it and it's not like the if you picture the the last scene in blade where the uh, this the winged skeletons like climb out of the mouths of the the blood gods or whatever but this is just it's just a they're like red ravens that are the soul of the vampire it's just the visualization is great the one other uh call out that i want to make too is that the the witch's daughter from the plague ships reappears i think in the it might be the inquisitor issue uh seeking revenge for her mother mm-hmm. uh who was killed by the inquisitor and it doesn't go well for her and she ends up cursing the inquisitor and i, th- I thought that was an amazing like flashback that i was not expecting at all i was never expecting to see that character come back mm-hmm. or let alone you know eat it hard and then leave this really cool curse on the inquisitor i thought that was really well done which um spoilers is the curse that turns him into the werewolf when he dies so it all comes like super full circle because of that hmm. what an amazing book it I really if- is it really really is and it's self-contained there's not i mean hellboy is hellboy is great too but there's not a hundred issues of bprd behind it and stuff it's just so amazing yeah, it really is its own world, despite being in this larger universe. And I wonder um, if Golden had all these threads like laid out. And, like, is there a character bible? Did he know he was going to bring the Gypsy Girl back? Did he know? Like, he had he had to know, especially about the Infernal Train, that he would call it back. But there's all these little nuances of all the breadcrumbs uh, that he leaves throughout the story that you never think you're going to see again. And when you see it, you're like, wow, I can't believe he turned that into this. Amazing. We're blessed. We're truly blessed. We are truly, truly best. Yeah. (laughs) God. (laughs) Emoticon, foldy hands. (laughs) Someone someone make that into an audio format that we can use in the show. But yeah, Baltimore, amazing. And I I think that's one of the main reasons I like it is that not that there's baggage with like a Hellboy or whatever you would consider a long history, but I like that I was able to start with Baltimore and feel comfortable in that universe and not mm-hmm. have to think about like, 
you know, this is this ties into BPRD issue 30 or this is a reference to a Hellboy thing. Like, I don't need to know anything. I can just read Baltimore and enjoy it and love it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, maybe seek out other things and they're not connected. Yeah, and it's, and it's like you said, it's not a knock against Hellboy, which is amazing in its own right, but Hellboy isn't an agent in the BPRD that has a cast of characters miles wide mm-hmm. and you may get them in certain issues and not. It's just it's mostly just Baltimore and a few retur- recurring characters maybe and it's just so readable because there's not hundreds of issues yet, which is a great thing. God. There you have it. 20 issues of Baltimore. You'd be foolish not to buy Baltimore mm-hmm. in any form. You can get your hands on it. I'm going to go ahead and agree with you on that one. Thank you. Appreciate that. You got it, babe. To uh, continue this road to, uh, you know, this work to Paper Keg 200, there's a few people that wanted to, to, to congratulate us on 200 episodes. I'm going to play the next one. Uh, now, you know. Hey, this is Kari Kyle Andrews, creator of Iron Fist, The Living Weapon. And I just wanted to congratulate what? Paper Cake on 200 episodes. Keep up the great work, guys. Practice your kung fu. And hey, watch out for vengeance. It'll get you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Did he also... Is there a second... Is there a second clip where he agrees to uh, draw my life story? Is there a second clip where he says my name? I thought that was cool. What you're going to say? I wanted to, you know, I wanted to just, you know, build that bridge first before I crossed any of that and got into this stuff. But he, he may be willing. I'm just, wow. I'm just telling. Oh you my now. god, that was amazing. Oh my god, I just pooped. A little <laughs> he bit. just loosed his bowels <laughs> in his shorts. Oh my god. <laughs> That I was amazing. It was, I hope it was loud enough. This Google Voice only mode is uh, really. Oh, this is it. I mean, people mind. that like our YouTube videos, we might have some bad news for you. If this audio thing is still in place next week, it's over. No more YouTube videos. I can't deal with this. This is unacceptable. All right. Anything else before I play the letters uh, jingle? Do you have any more recordings, Dale? Is any more from Kara saying how great I am and that I should draw well, my Well, I, I have another record that I play now, and then I'll, then I'll play the, one, the last one before the, uh, the right. fireside. We got your letters. I'm going to open them up. Farrington's going to read them to you. To you. Letters at paperkeg.com. R.I.P. Mark. He was with us until, I think, episode 75 or something. 101. And on. <laughs> 101. Who knows? <laughs> we could be wrong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, letters of Paper Keg. If you want to shoot us a letter, we might read it on the era. Our first letter comes to us from new friend of the show, uh, Gary Anchetta, he writes, uh, in regards to 52 Part 1, Mark Wade and the future. Uh, first point, if 52 was a song, it would be my jam. I'm a big DC Comics fan, and 52 is definitely a deep dive into DC Comics. What was unique about this weekly series was that it worked as the spine for the DCU. At the time, DC had jumped one year, and every title had these huge changes in their line. There were all these mysteries on the ongoing series of the stories that were answered in this week's 52. Things like what happened to the space characters, Red Tornado, Wonder Girl's weirdness towards other superheroes, why Green Lanterns are restricted from China, and what happened to the Justice Society are all mysteries that are solved that week in 52. 
that is one of the components that gets lost reading it in trades. I didn't know that, and it makes a ton yeah, more sense. Uh, I remember Mark Wade mentioning that when Dan Didio became the publisher, he was offered the editor-in-chief of DC Comics. He turned it down to become the editor-in-chief of Dynamite Comics. But can you imagine what DC would have looked like if Wade was in charge? Is that not right? Uh, I think he meant Boom Studios. Oh, Boom. Uh, I'm one of those people who skips to your book club second, uh, segment. Then I'll go to your letters and then to your reviews if there is something that came out this week that I wasn't sure if I should pick up. It might work if you choose one specific book to review that ties into your book club. For instance, if you were discussing 52, maybe reviewing this week's question at the end might give the reader uh, might give the readers where they can go after reading the book club pick or where not to go. Yeah, that yeah, Gary, that's a great letter, but that seems like a lot of DC that I have to read. <laughs> so gonna go ahead and sort of disagree with you there wouldn't it, be, it i'm kidding awesome it, letter how different of a world would it be if mark wade was editor-in-chief at dc though uh, i would be like the number one dc fanboy you probably just be, be sick of me picking dc books every week so crazy man yeah. i'd love to think about how crazy it could be though okay uh, next up is huge friend of the show and professional wrestler at Dirk feel good on the Twitter. Boy, when are we going to see a, a a live front row match for Dirk feel good? Oh man! Imagine Jeez. us all I, there wearing he our sent, lucha masks. He sent me a direct message uh, saying that he was going to fly us out to New Zealand, uh, front row seating with popcorn, I, and I accepted for all of us. Good, no pressure, Dirk. That's cool. But uh, if you would uh, have known Dirk any better, he doesn't live in New Zealand anymore. So <laughs> I think that he does. So. We would be there, and he would not be there. But we will get to see uh, Rivendell, at the very least, Jonesy. So there is that. You know, did you have to expose me in the air like that, Dale? Well, one, one last time, <laughs> last anyway. Time. Uh, hey, guys, I know you'll be getting plenty of mail for your bicentennial, so I'll keep this as succinct as possible. But I wanted to describe what paper keg means to me. I discovered your podcast just after I had moved from England to New Zealand. See, I, I was excited right. for the move, but a quick Google showed the nearest comic shop to be 100 miles plus away from my new home. I had a plan to go digital, bought me a tablet, and signed up to a well-known online comic shop. It was a good plan, but lacked one thing, my friends. Part of any experience is sharing it with the people you know and love. True, I could tweet and message my friends, but a 12-hour time difference usually means you are never quite available at the same time. Then I discovered Paper Keg and you guys. You guys right here. You guys became my community. The bond you have amongst the three of you is truly special, and I can't think of a better tagline for you than comics and friendship. Sure, no one is perfect. There are times I wonder if Slim stops people at work mid-conversation because their audio quality was just too poor or because they were <laughs> running out of tape. Does Jonesy's pathological low self-esteem mean he is unable to enjoy even the most sincere comment of "Have a nice day"? Sure, I need sure I need a nice day because my life is s right. <laughs> Finally, how long after meeting someone does Dale take before he's mentally sizing them up for a pair pair of basement shackles? But it's because of, rather than in spite of, these flaws that enable us, the listener, to feel part of the PK crew. So thank you, fellas. Thanks for the comics, and thanks for the friendship. At Dirk Feelgood on the Twitter. What a guy. Hall of Fame. That is the sweetest letter. That might go down into my 
heart light. Your heart held there forever. Jonesy, while your heart light is still on. Hi, this is Kurt Busick, the author of Astro City and the Autumnlands. Congratulating everybody at Paper Keg for 200 episodes of their podcast. Way to go, and keep listening, everybody. Oh my gosh, (laughs) thank you, Kurt Busick. You're amazing. Oh my god. He just leave, oh he just left god. that on the paper cake voicemail hotline just like nothing. <laughs> he did. I didn't even have to solicit. Uh, he just he must have just been listening. It's like, well, two hundred's coming up. Maybe I should do something. Call the hotline, oh, he probably my god. thought to himself. Amazing. Call the hotline. Jonesy his his bold over, he's I don't know where his hands <laughs> I'm are. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Oh my god. Uh, next letter. Uh from friend Tim. He says, Hey dum dums. <laughs> Uh, you all have a great dynamic. They'll adapt to any format. Stop worrying. Uh, what you do with your show is your choice. Thanks for the free entertainment, Tim. P.S. You don't have to read this on the air. <laughs> I'm sorry, era. Era. I love any email that starts with "Hey, dum dums." Right? Yeah, it's very sincere. <laughs> that that one got a grin from myself <laughs> at work today. Okay. Next up is uh, from at Joker's Asylum. If you need a buddy to talk shop with and you're at the comic book store and you need to talk about your jobs about how what's going on uh, at joker's asylum and jonesy of course will <laughs> papa jlb silver fox and mrs remender first off i thought calling slim <laughs> mrs remender was appropriate because we all know that he would not turn down a marriage proposal from rick furthermore i know slim would find unparalleled happiness as mrs remender Think of it, Slim, curled up with Rick in the spoon position, wearing matching fear agent PJs and drifting off to dreamland. The thought is amazing, isn't it? Anyhow, I wanted to let you guys know that I have completed my marathon listening effort and closed out episode 199 today. I am ready and waiting for 200. I also watched Daredevil and even convinced my wife to watch too. Slim, you hit the nail on the head with the stick episode. I gauge, I gauge my wife's interest in things by how quickly she reaches for her phone and begins scrolling through Pinterest. Oh, yeah. Fifteen minutes into that episode, I found <laughs> her looking through Pinterest projects that she will inevitably never do. The last couple of episodes really saved it for me, though. Like that time Slater showed up in the wee hours of the morning to rejuvenate the radiothon that saved the Max from closing. Am I right, Dale? Big Bopper Belding couldn't even keep it going. Thank God Slater showed up. And it's really good that he did because he was kicked off of the air because he was such bad sports reporter. So, you know, in the end, just keep your friends close and thank God for Slater and his good heart. And his tights outfit. And his tights outfit. keeps under his clothes. Finally, how about these Marvel Star Wars comics? Darth Vader, Princess Leia, and the main title have all been outstanding. Jason Aaron is the best writer in comics. You can take that to the bank. Terry Dodson's Ooh. art on Leia is beautiful. Congrats on 200 and a special congrats to Popple, Papa, Popple, Papa JLB Popple. on the growing PK family. And that's from our friend Joe. Thank you, Joe. Very much appreciated. Thanks, man. That's the, really kind words. I mean, wh- whose pickle needs to be tickled to get a fear agent pajama outfit? I know. Who do we need to get that going here? <laughs> I'll also, I started listening back. I tried to go through the archives very uh, haphazardly. Dummy. Dummy. F- <laughs> I wasn't planning on making any kind of long-winded 
uh, real because I did that for the Nerdcast podcast and it took like weeks <laughs> to make those things. And it's just like, and, and that was like 50 episodes. That <laughs> was. I don't have the wherewithal to do that anymore. But I tried to go back to find the original little people comment that was made <laughs> eons ago. We're all different people. You know, we've mat- we matured are. We are. since then. I couldn't find it, but I, I came to episode like 73 when for a, for, for a period of time we split the fireside into its own episode to, oh, to, God. What a failure. to help the show live. You know, this is how we learn, Jonesy. It's an experience. We've, we've grown. That's true. But man, we, we, we've done some great things in our day. I was cracking up in bed and then my wife was like, do you have headphones you can use? And then I <laughs> shut it off. So that was, that was the end of my research. It was me laying in bed the other night and then I shut it off. Well, on that note, uh, our next letter uh, comes to us from at very exciting on Twitter. Uh, he says, guys, personally, I don't listen to the show for the book club. I listen for the round table. There you go. Uh, anyway, Star Wars number four, Jason Aaron and John Cassidy. Uh, doesn't this comic take place after A New Hope and before Empire? Question mark. Shouldn't the Jabba the Hutt picture be the one that was in the New Hope special edition and not the one from Jedi? Uh, I assume that's a review. Uh, happy 200, fellas, at Very Exciting. Remember in the special edition, Jabba Duhut was slithering around talking to Han Solo. Oh, yeah. Now I feel like a dummy because, yeah, he was like slim, right? Yeah, Jabba Duhut. Not like you, but like, I mean, like thin. -er. Mm -hmm. You know, Stuart Imminent is becoming the new monthly artist in that book in a couple months. Oh, yeah. They couldn't have picked a better. Uh, Dale, could you cue Stuart's audio, please? But uh, yeah, and while well, the original wasn't even Jabba, was it was like some dude in it, it was, was a, a dude, dude in like a parka yeah. walking around. <laughs> but uh, Jason, oh yeah, and, and to um, our friend Joe, we'll accept uh, Jason Aaron's thanks on ba- on his behalf. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be so grateful that you said that. <laughs> I might agree with that. He is one of the best writers in comics, definitely. You know, speaking of uh, awesome DMs, uh, at Very Exciting is currently working on the Longmire uh, Netflix show. Can you reveal and that? Is that something that? you can just blurt out? Uh, no, you know, I, I don't think Walt is going to be listening yeah, Walt. to Paper Cake 200. Yeah, because that's so, who we'd have to uh, worry about, Walt. <laughs> not the not Walt's lawyers. <laughs> I, great, I great DMs. I get great DMs is what I'm saying. You know, DMs are, are meant as private messages, Jonesy. DMs generally were just aren't direct. just kind of, you know, I had a DM with someone the other day, and I'm going to talk about it on this podcast. God, you learn something new. Every time you come in the air, I'll tell you what. Every time you come and do the show live on Paper Keg and not <laughs> listen, just not living life. And <laughs> Next up is uh, from official show intern Matt H.H., on the occasion of recording 200 episodes. Gentlemen, just wanted to join the chorus and say thank you for so many hours of exceptional entertainment. I only started listening on episode 161 when I broke down and bought both Fear Agent Library editions in preparation. But I can confirm that you have created something special here. Getting to listen in with you live on the Hangouts and offline the last few months has been awesome. Great to hear about so many comics I know so well and others I didn't. In regards to format changes, I'd say you should feel to feel okay to make any changes you want, but don't do them on listeners' behalf. 
The podcast about co- is about comics and friendship. So it honestly doesn't matter what order you dole out segments. Just do what feels right to you. That being said, do not change the letter sounder. That is sacred, and it is a great nod out of the continuity of the origins of the podcast, R.I.P. Mark. Here's looking forward to the next 200 episodes, yours in friendship, Matt H.H. Listening to that in this Google Hangout just solidified the end I know. of Paper Cake on Google Hangout. <laughs> that is it. Oh, I know. That's that was amazing. When Paper Cake ends, everybody, don't blame us. Blame Google. <laughs> uh, I kind of thought you guys would have the new Sanders. For this episode, but I'm you, sure two or one they will you debut. You talked yourself into that expectation. You seriously like do. You start, of, you start believing these stories. You tell yourself. You, you believe your own Jonesy <laughs> lies. That's how it works. Uh, my JL lies. <laughs> yes, your JL right. lies. <laughs> Our next letter lies. is from friend of the show, Paul Puck. He writes, hello, gents. A quick note on the last two podcasts. I'm not a DC guy, and I don't know the characters well, so reading along in the last two weeks was very interesting. My expectations of the new frontier was minimal at best, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Even Robin doing cartwheels while the adults talk was entertaining. I had a bit more hope for uh, 52, given the talent associated with it. I've enjoyed it even more, and while I don't have a clue who these characters are, part of my enjoyment is figuring out how they all fit in. I think I'll have to finish it before moving on. No way I could finish the epic reading of the Baltimore series in time for the show, uh, for show 200, but an Amazon box of hardcovers will arrive in a few days. I'll read them at human speed instead of whatever Red Bull, a truck stop crank mixture, (laughs) induced hyperspeed U3 motor through them. Crank mixture. (laughs) Congrats on show 200. I can't wait for another 200. You guys rock. Paul Puck. P.S. I bought six bottles of pickles, but I have a few questions about sniffing them. Uh, is pickle sniffing like huffing red, Ready Whip? Is it recreational or just beneficial when playing Titanfall? <laughs> I have teenage daughters, so do I need to hide the pickles from them? Thanks. I just realized what he was referencing. Pickle Nift. Whatever happened to Pickle Nift? We haven't played a Titanfall in a while. I, I'm afraid to bring it up for to Dale because I'm afraid of what crazy suicidal text i'll get your response oh why me maybe we should there's three up. of us maybe here. we <laughs> maybe we should all pick them up tonight after the big show <laughs>
So that's a no, Dale? Is what you're saying? <laughs> the music speaks for itself, Jonesy. Yeah, come on. <laughs> All right. Next up. Next up. Next up, guys. You're in for a real treat. He made it long before the uh, one My Morning Jacket end credits started rolling. Evening, fellas. First things first. Congrats on 200. After those few so-so eps, nobody could have predicted you'd make it this far. You've survived an extended hiatus, the e- the ESAD incident, the e- eat, S and die incident, death of a co-host, and the worst thing of all, transmit. Man alive. I don't know how you're still going. Well, here's to 200 more win columns. Parting is such sweet sorrow. Slim and I had a chat this week, and he has decided to cut the letter section from the show to help save time. As the letter king, he thought it was only right that I make the announcement. It has been an honor and privilege writing into you guys. My first letter came in during the reign of the replacements for Mr. F- Mark Farrington before his ultimate deci- demise. Hashtag RIP Mark. Such a long time ago. I had a good run. Forever yours at one last hot one fro. P.S. Happy to announce my first book, The Enf- the Adventures of J-Bag and S-Bird. <laughs> could, be, <laughs> could be just days away. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Last letter ever. That's why he's the you king know? of the letter writers, we, to send this me letter and the, segment Me on. and the king had a, had a DM, and... I can talk about this because we agreed that it would be a public conversation <laughs> right. at the end of the DM. Beforehand, that's so that's usually how that's how this works. We have an agreement. We have a, you a know, digital I'm just handshake. Glad you two are here to help me see these and things. Because without you guys, I'd be lost. That's the end of the letters segment forever. We'll save about 30 minutes per episode. <laughs> uh, our next letter. Uh, from friend of the show at Super Tim eighty two, dudes. I was planning a really funny and witty letter for two hundred, but I let time get away and noticed you're live as we speak. Congrats and big thanks for doing this podcast. It's a pleasure to listen, uh, listen to, and a true inspiration. Here's to the next two hundred. Cheers, Bebs. Party on at Super Tim eighty two. Really sweet letter, uh, Tim. He does the uh, Comic Nerds Unite podcast. So uh, check them out. And thanks for the letter, man. You got in a hot, hot under the wire. Hot one. Super Tim. I think he's going to be in Chicago. Maybe I'll meet him and uh, take a goofy picture with him. Yeah, the only kind to Bye. like to do. Yeah, I'm so jealous you're going to get to meet him. <sighs> man, C2E2. Land of opportunity. Land of all night discotheques that play Patrick Hernandez, have dance if contests. You, if you tell me you have an audio recording of P- Patrick Hernandez calling to the hotline, I'm going to S Bird myself. Let <laughs> me cue it up, then. Believe me, you, the red tape you got to go through to get a hold of Patrick Hernandez. He's so <laughs> locked down. I do have one more though. Should we play it now before we uh, before we go? Because the email is probably p hernandez at aol dot com. <laughs> probably is. I've got a 
Hey guys, Chuck Forsman here. Just wanted to send a message and say that I'm so relieved that you finally decided to end this travesty of a podcast and pay more attention to your wives and kids. Really is the responsible thing to do, and it's a shame you didn't pull the plug sooner. Uh, but seriously, congratulations on doing 200s of these. I can't express enough how great it is listening to you guys every week. As a guy who only socializes at comic conventions, having you guys in my ears every week keeps me sane. It makes me feel like I'm part of a group of friends that uh, sit around and make fun of each other, you know, just as God intended. So tonight I'll be uh, raising a glass to you guys, wishing you well on 200 episodes. Thanks so much for the entertainment, um, and uh, be nice to Jonesy. Also, I want to throw uh, <laughs> my two cents in about your format changes. Uh, I, in my opinion, I think people may come to the show uh, because of the book club topic, but I think they stay for you guys. It's the uh, the your banter that that I think hooks people in, keeps them listening. So, and uh, I, for one, I listen to every episode, no matter what you talk about. Um, so, I uh, just want to throw that in there. Uh, anyway, hope the show's going good. Take care. Bye, guys. What an amazing man. Mm. Did, show Did me Chuck, Chuck. Forsman have that audio added, or was that a Dale underscore A uh, touch? No, he did it all himself. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. Show me, Chuck. Show me what love is. Chucky Fours, Revenger, The End of the Effing World. God. What a delight. What an amazing man. Revenger 3 just came out minutes before we went live tonight, by Come the way. Come on. Get out there. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be would be an amazing thing if he came to our next meetup? No pressure, Chuck. Director, uh, I forgot that Dale was director of Gumroad Publicity uh, a few weeks <laughs> back. <when> we <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> director of Revenger Publicity. We want some PK Meetup 5, Chuck. It'll be sometime this July. Uh, clear your schedule. Chuck, uh, no. if you could just tweet, J- uh, DM Jonesy your address so he can let the world... <laughs> <laughs> So I can read it on the air. Right. So we all, uh, we're all we all familiar yeah. with how long you have to travel before you get here. Uh, I wonder if he's going to Chicago, C2E2. I don't know. He hasn't talked about it. I guess not. One, Of course, C2E2 would be the weekends that I'm not in Chicago. Could be. Um, you know, whatever mystery event you're going to <laughs> right. in Chicago. I can't talk about it. <laughs> Strictly sticking to DMs on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's on DM Dark. DM we dark. um uh, we just got dark. a hot one in uh oh thankfully oh read it uh two hundred is the uh, subject paper kegmeisters after writing a series of unreadable horrible terrible no good letters and listening to Dale Ender Jonesy try to decipher my attempts at English communication I put myself on a self imposed letting writer hiatus letting writer. Hiatus. That's me. Maybe we need to put on some other people on hiatus. I'm even, I'm even messing up his letters when we, I, when he doesn't mess it up himself. I vowed to not write in again until I had time to compose a letter that was properly proofread and ebited. Congrats on 200. That is from our friend uh, Jim Lind at Pope. Ah, oh, uh, Jim Lind for Pope. Thank you, Jim. Jim Lind. I'll be seeing him in Chicago. Man. Of I course, believe. of course you will. I think he's, of course I think he's going. Star-studded event, I gotta tell you. I mean, you've got the Jim Lins, you've got the rest. Star-studded. And the rest. Are you 
question, Slim. Are you going to be uh, running downtown Chicago with these iPhone 4 headphones in your head? Be honest with me right now. I'll tell you what. Something's got to give. <laughs> Actually, my wife lost my workout headphones. Uh, I, I don't know if I said this on the show, but my two Apple earbuds, <laughs> the right ear broke. I don't know what kind of curse has been put on me that two headphones will break. So I'm using her spares. I don't have running headphones, so when I run, I have to wear this kind of uh, my winter earmuff thing. It's just like a band that wraps around your ears and goes in the front, and that holds my earphones in place because these things don't stay. Jesus F. I'm sounds, a mess. That's what I'm saying. You'll you'll never believe this, but Charles Forsman just DM'd me his home address. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is it? Uh, uh, oh, I have learned now. You have taught me that it is in bad form to read DMs at on it's, the live. It's podcast. it's disturbing that that is a lesson that you needed to learn <laughs> on a podcast. Oh, let me tell you, uh, Charles. My my only advice is to ride down with Karate Chop. Mm-hmm. You two seem like you're close in that area. Uh, PK meet up five Baltimore. Uh, if if I don't have uh, oh, Baltimore in September. Oh, if I don't have Canadians in my house uh, for that meetup, uh, then you uh, please stay at my home. Well, PK Meetup 5, is that the pool party at Dale's? Is that what's happening? No. Is it? I don't know. Dale? We'll save it for... No pressure, we'll no pressure, but please answer now. We'll save it for an offline conversation. Sure, maybe. sure, yeah. Sure. <laughs> when we talk offline, the three of us. <laughs> 200 episodes. Next week, the all-new Paper Keg... Oh boy. Are you ready for the book club, Jonesy? Uh, good luck with it, is what I'm saying. You're on it. Aren't you on 201? Yes, I am now. <laughs> well, we'll talk about yes, it. We'll I talk am. about it I on our side. Goodbye. Charles Charles Forza with another DM thanking me for not reading his address. <laughs> All right, so Jensen, we need some clarity on your schedule. We were right, we were so, under the impression that you would not be leaving until after two hundred one. We'd be recorded. I yeah, I will be here for two hundred one. Okay. Just want to make sure because I leave Sunday, May the third. I come back Monday. Yeah, no, Friday the eighteenth. I come back. Got it. So. 
I'll be able to record 201, just not 202 and Big 203. book club. Mm. Dale, I think it's it's only fitting that you pull the curtain off the 201 book club, all new paper keg. All new paper Please. keg. Who, who knows, you know, when. I'm pulling it up now. <laughs> he just made the decision like 24 hours ago, but not even. Pulling it up now. I linked. I linked to the hardcover. Yeah, how do you feel about pickle nest? After oh this? my you, god, uh, what was it? Yeah. No, <laughs> no. I'm bringing it up now. It starts. It starts with a B. Both dem- ends with an Baltimore. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm gonna say. You've been waiting for this one. You guys thought me long ago to do it. Black sad. Where's the fanfare? <laughs> no, where's the no reaction from Jonesy? <laughs> Jonesy is nonplussed. Thanks, Jonesy. That was for you, but <laughs> oh boy, uh, pretty excited to do it. I can't. I'm so glad we're doing it, especially with Jonesy here. Yeah, he's exhilarated yeah, he about Black tell. Sad. He's ready. I'm, I'm very fresh, happy. Fresh start for the podcast. We'll treat this as a new number one, two hundred one. Starting over. Clean slate. Just wiping everything else under the rug, you know. And maybe there won't be live YouTubes. Is it? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, we can't have this living forever on the internet with this audio. In fact, it made me think about episode one and two. Maybe I should just hide episode one and two since we redid those book clubs, right? Those don't Yeah, I think that's there. only fair. I'm like the George Lucas of podcasting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Going back. I don't think you could do that because people are going to be like, where's episode one and two if they want to marathon listen? Mm-hmm. I can't believe people marathon listen to this day. I think that's absurd. I mean, uh, to be honest, I was cracking up in bed listening to us talk about, uh, what was it? We we talked about a book that was just announced that is like just came out. can't remember. It starts with a B. <laughs> Oh, uh, that we just talked about the announcement of Scott Snyder and Jim Lee on a Superman book. Superman Unchained. And Jonesy, you were like jaying it hard. You were so excited (laughs) about that book. Finally liking Superman, I probably say. And yeah, you were like, "I'm going to buy ten copies of that book. I can't wait to read a Scott Snyder, Jim Lee Superman book." That book was lasted a little bit longer than the Jim Lee Jeff Johns book club on Twitter idea. A little bit longer. <laughs> where's the fan? Where's the no? <laughs> new paper keg? Sorry, my uh, audio did that skip where the thing Google is Voice. <laughs> we're almost in an hour. We're almost in ninety minutes here, folks. Folks, we need it. We need to cut a short. We are running out of running out of digital tape. tape. The digital. This tape. is an amazing two hundred episodes. episodes. Care Andrews, care DM me uh, the deets so I can give you just the bullet points of my life so you can start drawing. Uh, happy to do that. Just as soon as you're ready, just DM me. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about getting Kurt Busick? Dale, you know, you just pulled all those stops out. You didn't even care. You just took every stop out of this equation. Let's do it. Might be the last one, you know. Might be the last yeah. anniversary show. One last hurrah. Go for the gusto. 
I mean, you. I mean, you might have a third kid in two years by the time we're doing a favorite kick for you. Have a third kid, right? Yeah, you ain't, you ain't kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. 200 (laughs) episodes. Everybody. We need to... (laughs) We'll see everybody next week. Black Sad. And, um, you know, maybe we're moving to Skype. A a statement I thought I'd never say out loud. We're going to think long and hard about the the future of live broadcasting with with voice quality. And if... Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just not worth it with such poor quality. You know, maybe if people really want to listen on YouTube, I can upload the audio and I'll just insert like a, a still frame of Dale. Oh, yeah, as the video file work. Yeah, you know? fat jowls. Your jowl jowls underscore a. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be there for you. Goodbye. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Two hundred more, my fellow hosts. Love you guys. My host. Right back at you, Slick. You hate me. <laughs>